Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and equip the people of God. Today is November the 11th, and we find ourselves still in um, Acts chapter number 28. Acts chapter number 28, final chapter of the book. It's been a good ride. I've enjoyed teaching through the book of Acts. I don't know about you, but I've learned an incredible amount. Uh, literally eye-opening for me. Uh, so many things that I've never seen before. I have just never, ever um, looked at uh, the book of Acts as a, a transitional book. Uh, I've just always looked at it as the birth of the church. Um, and now I see that it really, it's not about the birth of the church. If anything, it's about the diminishing of Israel. It is about Israel uh, rejecting the kingdom offer that was given to them. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's, it's not about, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the birth of the church at all. Uh, it's about the diminishing of the nation of Israel. Um, as a matter of fact, I think I, there we go. See there? That right there, it's really about the diminishing of Israel. Uh, the Lord used Paul to present, not Paul, but Peter, used Peter in Acts chapter 2 to present the kingdom to the nation of Israel. And um, they rejected it. And uh, after the stoning of Stephen, uh, we see the diminishing of Israel. And then we see Paul being raised up to take the gospel of grace uh, to the Gentiles. And of course, this is where you and I are today. We are in the age of grace. Uh, but one day that will end with the rapture of the church. And then God will once again start dealing with the nation of Israel, Daniel's 70th week. And of course, the Antichrist, second coming, and then going into the kingdom. Uh, and then of course, into eternity. So, you know, uh, for the first time, I've come to see that the book is more about the diminishing of Israel and not really anything. Uh, I mean, the birth of the church is there, I mean, but it didn't happen in Acts 2. Uh, the Bible says that, uh, you know, Paul said he was the, um, the first. He was the pattern for all that should follow uh, in him first. Um, he's the one that received it. So he's the one that was the first one into the body of Christ. And that was in Acts chapter 13. Uh, so anyway, just that transition for me has been quite a learning experience. Last time we were together, and again, when I'm doing this, I just can't, I don't have all my monitors up and I can't show you everything like I can when I'm at home in the office. But we finished up yesterday in, uh, in chapter uh, number 11. Nah, in verse number 11 of chapter number 28. And of course, this whole you know chapter is dealing about Paul arriving in Rome. And in verse number 11, after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Um, this verse here tells us that they, when they crashed on the island of Miletus, which is modern-day Malta, which was inhabited by the Phoenicians, uh, they stayed there for three months, uh, ministering to the people uh, there on that island. You remember that's the place where Paul was bitten by the viper and they thought he was going to get some karma and he was going to fall over dead. Uh, he didn't. 
Uh, matter of fact, he got up and started ministering to Publius, healed his father, and many on the island. And um, so they were there for, uh, for three months. And then they departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle. So the ship had been there with them the whole time. And it went under the sign of Castor and Pollux. And interestingly, these, these are the sons of Zeus. They were called the Gemini twins or the half-brothers. Uh, they were regarded as the patrons of the sea. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, they were the ones they uh, appeared uh, to the sailors as St. Elmo's fire. Um, and, of course, St. Elmo's fire is a weather, a weather phenomenon in which um, this luminous plasma is created and there's a discharge that takes place at the highest part of the ship and uh, usually occur, occurred when they're in thunderstorms and when the sailors would see this glowing ball of light, if you will, uh, the sailors thought it was a good omen and it showed that the Gemini twins, their patron saints, were indeed watching over them. And then verse number 12, and landing at Syracuse, we tarried, tarried there three days. This is Syracuse, um, which is an island uh, of Sicily, uh, not New York. And from thence, we fetched a compass. That means we went around and came to Regium. And after one day in the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Putioli. Okay. Uh, Regium, like I said, is at the bottom toe. It's at the boot of Italy, or at the, the bottom of the boot of Italy. And where we found in verse 14, brethren, and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. So finally, uh, as you can see here, they found some brothers. And, uh, and we got to be careful here when we start. Every time, I've, I've heard preachers do this, and I've done it in the past too. Every time we hear the word brother, we assume that uh, it's referring to Christians uh, or the body of Christ. Not the case at all. Uh, Randy, Randy White here, uh, who I love to listen to, I admire his teachings, and um, I've learned a lot from him. He makes the point of mentioning that we don't know who these brethren were. Uh, when we get down into the verses, as Paul is standing and talking to the uh, the Jews in Rome, they refer to brethren. And it's not referring to uh, believers at all. It's not referring to kingdom believers. It's not referring to grace believers. It just means fellow Jews. Context, context, context. Decide, it determines the interpretation of the verse. Here, obviously, it's referring to believers, but it's not referring to grace believers. I mean, uh, kingdom believers. Uh, because they're in Rome. Uh, and But we found brethren and were desired to tear there seven days, so we went toward Rome. Uh, and Randy makes the point of mentioning that we do not know for sure who these brethren are, whether it be grace or whether they kingdom, but it would seem that they would be grace considering their location in Rome. Uh, but we don't know. But we do know that it's talking about believers but like I said, later on, when we get down in the chapter, it's not referring to believers at all. It's just referring to fellow Jews, uh, unbelieving Jews. Um, it'd be like in the military, we would call we would say we're brothers in arms. You know, uh, you know, the context is everything. We have to remember that. So just because it says brother uh, doesn't mean that it's referring to um, 
necessarily believers. And from thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Happy Forum and the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and he took courage. The Happy Forum, according to Barnes, was a city about 56 miles from Rome. So he was closing in. And then the three taverns was about eight to 10 miles outside of Rome. So Paul is making his way into Rome. And when we came to Rome, boom, he's there. The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, and Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with the soldier that kept him. So upon arrival, the centurion transfers the custody of the prisoners. And we learned earlier there's 276 of them in total, except for Paul, um, over to uh, um to the captain of the guard. Um, and But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. So Paul had a soldier assigned to him and he had and he got to keep his own, have his own quarters. So obviously, again, we've talked about this. Paul wasn't, uh, uh, I mean, he appealed to Caesar, but Agrippa, Felix, Festus, nobody had a charge to make against him. Uh, so he's under a very loose if you would, house arrest, from what I can tell here. In the verse 17, it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So the chief of the Jews here would be the leader of the local synagogue. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that he was a priest or a rabbi. He was just the leader uh, he was the one in charge of the local synagogue. Um, and at this point, at this point, um, Paul uh, makes a point of bringing them up to date as to why he was there and denies the accusations that were being made against him um, by the Jews in regard to uh, and understand the, the accusation made against him by the Jews initially was that he's not keeping the law of Moses, he's teaching against circumcision, and he's not walking in the customs. But then when they went before Felix and then Festus and Agrippa, they realized that that was not enough to get it to stick with the Romans. So they accused him of being a seditionist and a, uh, what was that word? They, a pestilent fellow. Uh, they had to get him accused of something that would break Roman law in, for, in, in order for Rome to get involved. But Rome found nothing uh, that would, uh, would condemn Paul. Um, now, of course, notice when he says, it came to pass after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said to the men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against people. And again, notice that word brethren there. Uh, he's talking to unbelieving Jews, as far as we can see, and he says, I've committed nothing against the people or against the customs of our fathers. So he's the people are the Jews are the customs of our fathers, and yet here I stand, uh, delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Of course, Paul had taught the opposite to the Gentiles. And now when he received the gospel of grace, uh, he didn't preach Mosaic law and circumcision and customs uh, to the Gentiles, but he did teach it uh, to the Jews. Uh, and I have a note here. 
Of course, Paul had taught the opposite to the Gentiles with the grace gospel, but never to the Jews. Paul did not preach the grace gospel to the Jews. He was constantly preaching the resurrection. And, uh, and I think, the whole, of course, the resurrection is key to both gospels. But he did not teach against the law of, the Mo law of Moses to the Jews, so therefore he was teaching a kingdom gospel. Because uh, the grace gospel sets us free from the law. The kingdom gospel didn't set, set them free from the law. And we have to assume this to be the case. I mean, he said over and over, I have not taught the Jews to rebel against the Mosaic law. I haven't taught them to stop circumcising their kids. And I haven't taught them to break the custom. So either Paul is lying here or Paul never taught the Jews to forsake the law of Moses. Well, if Paul never taught the Jews to not forsake the law of Moses, then how on earth was he teaching the grace gospel to the Jews? You know, I mean, teachers must come to the conclusion that Paul had not received um, um, one of two things. Either Paul had not received um, the mystery yet, and there are some mid-Acts people that say Paul didn't receive it until Acts 28. Um, I, I don't understand that. I, you know, I need to go down that road. So what they're saying here is either Paul hadn't received the mystery by then, so he was still preaching the kingdom gospel, or he was indeed preaching two gospels. He was preaching a gospel to the Jew, and he was preaching a gospel to the Gentile. I think the scripture is pretty clear. He was preaching two gospels. Because uh, you remember, you know, what was it, chapter 13, 38, 39? Um, you know, he was preaching belief by faith and faith alone in those verses. And we'll get down to the final verses in this chapter that Paul says he was preaching both, in my opinion. Now, notice in verse 28, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. Who's he talking about? Agrippa, Festus. Who, when they had examined me, they would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. In other words, there was no reason for me to be punished. You remember that Agrippa said this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. He could have been set free in Acts 26.32. Uh, but he says in verse 19, but when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained. I was compelled to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. Of course, the Jews did not accept Paul's innocence. And when I say the Jews, I'm referring to the unbelieving Jews, um, the ones that resented the fact that Paul preached the resurrection. Uh, because if the resurrection be true, then they killed their Messiah, and that was quite offensive to them. They did not view Jesus as their Messiah. Um, so the Jews did not accept Paul's innocence on either count, Jew or Roman, and he was left with little option but to appeal his case to Caesar. And when I say Jew or Roman, um, again, he was accused by the Jews of, of two different set of offenses. He was accused of Mosaic law, circumcision, and customs, 
but then he was also accused before the Romans as a pestilent fellow and a seditionist. So the Jews didn't accept his innocence on either count. Okay, uh, The latter part of that verse is a little conflicting to me, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. Um, it's conflicting to me in that Paul had plenty to accuse his nation of at this point. <laughs> I mean, look at everything they had done. They had made his life miserable. And yet he says, I have nothing to accuse my nation of. The only way that I can explain this is that Paul, in a spirit of forgiveness, in a spirit of love uh, for his nation, even though wrongfully accused, wished no ill upon his people, the nation of Israel. Um, he simply refused to want vengeance on them. I think he he knew that they were lost, uh, just like you and me. I mean, when we look around at a lost world and how a lost world responds, how a lost world behaves, um, why are we so surprised by that? Uh, heathens act like heathens. The world acts like the world. Of course they're going to act that way. Of course they're going to look at you like you're crazy. Uh, they're, they're natural. They're fleshly. They're, they're sensual. They're earthly. They are not spirit-filled. They, they have no ability to even fathom. The Bible says they're spiritually discerned. It doesn't mean anything to them. In verse 20, And for this cause, therefore, I have called for you to see and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel am I bound with this chain. Uh, notice Paul says, because of the hope of Israel. What is the hope of Israel? Their Messiah. Um, Simeon also referred to it when he said in Luke 2.25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. They were waiting for Israel to be consoled. Now, ultimately, this word is connected with the kingdom, the ultimate times of refreshing, the ultimate consolation is going to happen during the kingdom. Jeremiah uh, 16, 7 says, Neither shall men tear themselves for them in mourning, in other words, they won't weep, they won't mourn to comfort them for the dead. In other words, they won't die. Neither, excuse me, neither shall men give them the cup, excuse me, of consolation to drink for their father or for their mother. There'll be no death. <laughs> it, you know, I mean, that's, that's kingdom language that Simeon is using. Um, so ultimately, the word consolation that Simeon uttered was looking forward to that hope of the kingdom. Uh, Paul referred to it in Acts 23, 6, he, when he said, but when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, men and brethren, I'm a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, am I called into question? Um, so Paul says that, the reason he is in chains is because he preached that the he preached that to the nation, and they had rejected it. He preached the resurrection, which would have brought the consolation had they accepted it. 
but they had rejected it. Now, many today will read this passage and say that Paul was under arrest because he preached the gospel, and he was, but he was not under arrest because he preached the grace gospel. They didn't have a problem in the world with him teaching the heathen anything. I mean, they didn't see the the heathen as even savable, <laughs> uh, even salvageable. Uh, they they did not see that at all. So they didn't care what Paul preached to them. The only thing Paul they were worried about was what Paul was preaching to the nation of Israel, and what they said Paul was preaching to the nation of Israel was what he was actually teaching to the Gentiles. Because Paul did not preach uh, Moses and circumcision and customs to the Gentiles, but they understood that he was not doing that uh, to the Jew. And that's where the accusation. So, so again, the whole argument that Paul is not preaching two different gospels, it doesn't hold water. I mean, either Paul's lying or, or you know, we misunderstand the text. I mean, Paul said, I've always preached the Mosaic law and customs and circumcision to my brother. How can he say that if he wasn't? Because he was. <laughs> Verse 21, and they said unto him, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. Uh, the word brethren, again, in this verse is not to be understood as believers. Paul is just talking about other Jews. A context, again, context is key as with everything that we study in the Bible. From everything we can see here, these are unbelieving Jews that Paul is speaking of here. Now, the good thing is that this made them an unbiased audience. It made them an unbiased jury and that they had not already formed an opinion one way or the other in regards to Paul. They didn't know who he was. They didn't know what he was accused of. So that's a good thing for Paul. <laughs> uh, but in verse 22, we desire to hear thee what thou thinkest as concerning this sect. Ooh. We know that everywhere it is spoken against. Here we go. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that uh, next time we're together, probably Friday morning. Uh, while I'm on the road, uh, I'm going to just pre-record these things and upload them. I think it's just a little better. It's a little easier. I'm a little tired. I've been uh, on the road all day. I've been at Ohio Christian University. and uh, A lot of conversations, a lot of meetings. I'm back at the hotel. I'm just a little trashed, uh, tired. My eyes are are burning and uh, I'm yawning. So, uh, but anyway, God bless you. And I'll hopefully get this uploaded, uploaded so you guys can see it tomorrow morning at 6.30. God bless you guys. Hope you have a great uh, rest of your day when you hear this tomorrow. God bless.